You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. This message is being broadcast over the emergency alert system at the request of the New York football giants. This is not a test. Please remain calm and stand by for the following important information. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Thank you for joining us. The Giants on this day, January 21st, 2022, have hired Joe Shane as their general manager. Huge turning point in the organization. Cranky Fan, how are you feeling? Well, hell of a lot better than watching the Knicks lose three times this week, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm just glad we have some closure on this and we are finally moving forward. Uh, you know, this has been the number one topic of conversation for the last two years, three years with this team. You know, mm-hmm. when is Gettleman going? When are they going to fire him? Is he going to retire? We you know he's going to retire. Who are they going to replace him with? And you can't start rebuilding until you have an architect. And now we have an architect. So. Um, I think we kind of knew this was going to be the pick all along, um, and I think it was a good pool of candidates that we had. There was nobody out there. There was no, you know, Lewis Reddicks or someone. It doesn't seem like they're qualified. And I think, you know, I'd have been happy with kind of any of those directions. But I'm glad they got the guy that they ultimately wanted all along. And let's let's get going. Yeah, Shane is also being given the green light to shape the organization as he sees fit. Obviously. Um, that vision was already signed off on in the interview process. And the Giants and, and Joe Shane have been in discussion since before the season ended. And we know this. Um, yeah. What those level of discussions were, I mean, eh, whatever. But, well, let's put it this way. At least it was some sort of back-channel communication with our people, their people. It may not necessarily yeah. been face-to-face, but we know this happened. I mean, I think even to the point of where you're starting to see some of these head coaching, you know, whether it's interviews being already being set up or – rumors of it probably is stemming from these conversations have gone on already Mm -hmm. and this this really is a monumental day and i I don't want to try and overstate this but it's kind of true i mean the giants are completely changing the way that they do business or at least that's what we're being told um joe shane is being hired as the senior vice president um which puts him as number two behind the owners right now which is kind of how it is supposed to be but just not how the giants have operated for years it really Every indication we're getting is that the the owner, all the hands are kind of off, and this is going to be Joe Shane's operation to run. Um, I don't know. Do you buy that? Well, I know one thing is that the Giants, as much as they need to improve the product on the field, they need to improve their perception. Mm. And they were being, they have now become the New York Jets of the Meadowlands, which is almost impossible to believe, but we are. I mean. Nobody, the, the credibility that the owners have had had dropped down to next to nothing. You know, we become a laughing stock every night on not just, you know, just Giants. ESPN and all, <laughs> on, the, on just Giants or anything, but even things like, you know, talk show comedians and stuff. We, we've into that level of being the 76 bucks almost. And they needed to change the perception of this team almost as much as the on field product. So. Doing this, the perception is that an independent voice is coming in who's going to have carte blanche to do whatever he wants 
which may or may not actually happen, but on this date right now, you know, on January 21st is something that the fan base needed to hear. I mean, is it re- true? We'll be we'll wait and see, but it's something that we've all been crying out for us as hosts of this show, you guys who listen, the whole fan base, you know, everyone. So it's a good start, but now let's, you know, the rubber hits the road starting today. Indeed it does. Uh, in his in his first statement as the Giants general manager, uh, which by the way, their deal isn't fully worked out yet, but it's a handshake agreement right now. They're working out those details. He said, it is an honor to accept the position of general manager of the New York Giants. I want to thank John Mara and Steve Tisch and their families for this tremendous opportunity. And obviously I am grateful to Brandon, he means Brandon Bean, and the Bills for the experience I have had in Buffalo. Now the work begins. My immediate focus is to hire a head coach with whom I will take I will work in lockstep with to create a collaborative environment for our football operations. We'll cast a wide net. It can be a former head coach, first-time head coaches, but more importantly, it has to be a per- person who possesses the ability to lead an organization and the ability to motivate and develop players. On the personnel side, we will begin to evaluate our roster and prepare for the draft and free agency. Our goal is to build a roster that will be competitive, have depth, and most importantly, win football games. Now, when when I I I absolutely I know this is just a quote, and I'm not gonna I don't care. You know, it's just a quote. It's prepared statement. I'm sure he would have said, you know, this is a fill in the blank thing for whatever organization was gonna hire him, whatever. But I will say that I don't think I care about what this vision for the team is. Like, you know, Dave Gettleman came in here and it was very much like, I'm going to build a New York football team. We're going to play defense. We're going to run the ball. We're going to punch you in the mouth. This kind of thing. You know what I want to do? I want to win. That's it, man. I don't care if our identity is to throw the ball a hundred times. I don't care if it's to run the ball a hundred times. I want our identity to be score points and more importantly, more points than the opponent. Well, read that last sentence again. Our goal is to build a roster that will be competitive, have depth, and most importantly, win football games. Read from most importantly again. Most importantly, win football games. For the last two years, what have we been hearing nonstop from our previous coach? Um, we have to protect the quarterback. We have to get hog mollies. We got to no, 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 rush no, no. passer. Our, our previous coach oh, tried coach. to sell this. Our previous coach tried to nonstop tell this fan base that we are building culture. Mm. Culture, 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 culture. It felt like to the average fan that building culture is more important than winning football games. And yeah, like like culture comes first, winning comes later. Exactly. And I think just a, it, it might be just one throwaway line and a throwaway statement of a boilerplate that's always going to be used. But he said right there, most importantly – win football games. I think that's a very refreshing thing for people that have been basically been like, don't believe what your eyes are showing you or what you're hearing. Trust us, we are building a culture that we will eventually win. Just to say something like that, I think a lot of Giant fans will take to heart immediately. And when it means anything in three years, who knows? But at least the eye is on the prize and stated that, you know, for everything else... We're here to win, and that's why we that's why we play the games is to win. So I'm glad that that statement was in there really quick. And I don't know if that was trying to be a dig at the previous coach or just let's reset. And what I don't think it's that. Do. I think it's just that is what Giants fans want to hear. I, do you think yeah. at all that the the times were different? I mean, you you go back to when, and I'm not I'm not 
trying to uh, advocate for any of these people. But when Dave Gettleman first came here, I mean, we were kind of... Um, I think Giants fans were more demoralized than they are now in, in a certain sense because we were more recently competitive. You know, 2016 had been very, very strong record. Not really a strong team. But, you know, I think they had, what, four losses that year? Five losses? I think we won 11-5 and five in 2016. Um, and then, you know, you have you, you fired your head coach, your general manager, your, you know, Mark Ross, wh- whatever his title was at that time, I forget. But he basically ran the draft. And you have all sorts of issues with, you know, Odell Beckham at the time is, is kind of like a distraction. Um, do you think that, like, there was a focus on culture at that time because the culture was worse? And now the culture is just a losing culture. It's not like a bad culture. We don't have a whole lot of, like arrests or anything like that or, or off the field issues but we just are losers so do you think that that works a little bit better also because we don't really have that negative culture in the air anymore i don't really know i'm, I'm, I'm seriously asking now, now i don't think there's a negative culture as far as like arrests and things but i think there's an incredibly negative culture right now i think it's devolved i think the apparent switch from we're keeping joe judge to him being gone i think the the meme culture that created a, a, a something out of nothing with the third and nine um, quarterback sneak. I think it all snowballed out of control where this culture, it became something that had to be completely rebuilt. If you are throwing everything out the door and you are replacing with people from the complete outside, you're basically saying that culture didn't work. We want to bring in a completely different one. I think the giant fan back when they brought in Gettleman was a little more entitled than they are now. And they, you know, coming off an 11, five season and having, you know, a, a worse year is like, well, we we demand more than this. We we were right here. I think this fan base is so beaten down right now that uh, far more demoralized than they were were then. It's been a decade of this incompetence. It's been how many years in a row where this team started off zero and two or zero and three and one and five and all of that, where they just, you know, they get to the point where week fifteen and sixteen, and it's just like people don't go anymore. I mean, this is the Giants. Giant stadiums always filled. Always bad weather, good weather, good team, bad team. But we, we were there for week eighteen or uh, week eighteen. Parking lot was empty. Oh, it was it was the most empty. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you know that stupid like what is it like progressive commercials where it's like don't turn into your parents or whatever. I kind of like those actually. Yeah, but but okay. So you know the one where they're in the parking lot of the football game and they're like walking. Yeah. I made when I first saw that commercial it was like at the beginning of the NFL season, and I said to my girlfriend like, "LOL, like you'll never see a, a, a parking lot that empty at a football stadium." Who was I wrong? Because I saw that literally week eighteen for the Giants. It was more empty than that. Um, right. I think I agree with you. I I, I was just kind of uh, testing feelers there. I, you know what? I think it was just simply that John Mara valued something more like PR and culture at the time and thought that, you know, we're the Giants. We do have a good nucleus here. We'll be able to build a, a winning team. My my focus right now is to make sure that we're out of the headlines. Um, I will say this. You know, I've been really, really, really critical of the Maras uh, and ownership. I actually thought that John Mara uh, – I give him a little bit of credit for – doing that press conference at all because um, I mean he really went out there and had to say that it was the most embarrassed he's ever been of his organization ever um, and I the way he answered it almost looked like he was thinking about that for the first time in his life like is this the lowest you've ever felt and he had to say yes and that's exactly what he said I have to say yes 
I give him some credit for for going out there and facing the music a little bit. And now it appears taking taking his hands off of things. Well, I mean, you know, when they say in AA, realizing you have the problem is the first step towards finding the the cure. I mean, to me, like when when they still thought that they could still win with Eli Manning, that tells you that they weren't fully. Uh, Really buying into the fact that this team had a rebuild. Or I don't even they, think they were really in touch with reality either. Exactly. That's it. I think this is the first time where it really hit them in the face. Now, unfortunately, it took going down to this level of things that were their fault and things that were not their fault to be at a point where we have to do something. Something has to be done. And you're right. It, if it was self-evaluation by Mara to realize that he can't be as hands-on and, you know, Maybe the, the the organization and the family he's built is maybe not, you know, where the the the, the messiah is going to come from. That's that takes a lot from an ego. I mean, these guys all have egos. Yeah. You don't get places and prominence in life, in this country, in society, in business, in anything without having ego. It tells you you are better than that guy to do this, and you know. Yes, he is the grandson of the owner, of the founder of the team, or the grandson? Grandson of the founder. So he inherited this. You know, it's kind of, it sort of is his birthright to do it, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have an ego on his own. And I think making this kind of decision to, we are going to step back, we are going to completely reset, I'm bringing in an SVP to handle everything, it's, it says something. Um, and we'll get to see what happens with, with those moves. But, yeah, I, I'm with you with that. So I do want to talk about Joe Shane a little bit here. Bill's tight end, Dawson Knox, according to Ryan Dunleavy, said the Giants are lucky to have Joe Shane. Um, just real quick, just a recap of who Joe Shane is. He's 42 years old, so very, very young. Um you know, he was with the Dolphins as a player personnel scouting and operations from 2014 to 2017 before he joined Buffalo in 2017 after the draft had already happened. That's just kind of how Buffalo handled their offseason thing, and that's kind of makes sense well, when you think about I it. I think most teams do that, right? They do kind of I, I, I don't know. I think it's like 50-50 split because you think back when the Giants hired Dave Gettleman, they had fired Jerry Reese and um, – and everybody in December, and they hired him right away because it was early enough where you could probably whip up the scouting department to be prepared for the draft at that point. But now the season's over. I mean, I don't know. So what Buffalo decided to do is they they, they had Doug well. I mean, it's a crapshoot because you're essentially letting people that you are going to fire make big decisions with their draft and whatever. So it's, it's kind of strange to let people make those decisions, then fire them, then bring in the new guy, which is what the Bills did. They brought in Brandon Bean, who immediately grabbed Joe Shane as his right-hand man, um, and they fired the, – you know, the whole, the whole operation had to be rebuilt from the ground, which is one of the big draws from Joe Shane because that's what we need. We need Roto-Rooter. This, this, this organization is a plumbing disaster is really the li- best way. And he likes to do it too. I mean some coaches or GMs like a Phil Jackson will only go to a place that – you know, the pieces are in place already. I don't want to rebuild from the beginning. So he's been through the process, mm-hmm. and apparently he thinks it's fun enough or whatever that he wants to do it again. He's not looking – he's not cherry-picking for the, oh, you know, that's a good job. You know, I'm ready to go in there and, and win right away. He realizes that work has to be done, and he's done it before, and he's okay doing it again. 
Yeah. Now, important to note, though, that even though he was there in 2017, that's not his draft class. You know what I mean? So, like, all of those decisions there, most of what he's responsible for occurred between 2018 and now. Um, so that's an even faster rebuild than than you'd think. Um, now, granted, you could say that they hit the home run with Josh Allen. I mean, that could have easily been a swing and a miss, and who knows where they would be if that's the case. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, they were... Uh, really active, him and Brandon Bean. They, they made lots of draft day trades. Now, I say that because that's going to be important in the up- upcoming weeks. The Giants have two draft picks in the top 10. That's worth a lot of capital. So we'll re- that remains to be seen how they're going to work that. They might take players. They might trade back. They might trade for players. I mean, who who knows right now? The, the whole roster is, is kind of a mess, and that's something that we're going to get into on Monday. Uh, Monday night for our Tuesday episode, we're going to take a look at this roster and what needs to be done to fix it. But before we do that, I do have a question for you regarding Joe Shane. And, you know, this is kind of, um, this is me being a little bit of a worrier, but like, are you at all worried that since this was in the works for a while now, there's been discussions back channel or, or whatever, um, do you worry that this interview process is somewhat going through the motions as, as if it was already decided? Um, because what we saw last time was a complete farce of a GM operation search. Four guys, and one of them was Lewis Riddick. The other was Dave Gettleman. One of them was Kevin Abrams. I mean, they, it's like they didn't even try last time, and they went straight for Gettleman. Um, does it worry you at all? Does it, Do you get any feeling that this was just like going through the motions and then that was it? I mean, I think... You always have a guy I think you're interested in and you bring in people to kind of, you know, can this guy wow me more or can this guy prove me wrong on my initial thought? I think uh, having so many different uh, candidates come in and all of them are very similar traits, you know, Mm -hmm. backgrounds. I think they were just trying – that's that's what they were looking for. And I think they were trying to see can I find a better version of the guy that I think I already want. I mean you go back to the last one. I mean what does Dave Gittleman, Lewis Riddick? Kevin Abrams have in common? Nothing. I mean, it Good was just kind of like there's all over the place. It's they had no idea what they wanted besides what they actually really wanted was Dave Gettleman. This was like they had pretty much narrowed down to the type of person they wanted from the organization, age, all of that stuff. And I think that you know they knew Dave Gettleman was not going to be back next year, probably far longer than any of us thought. Well, he's probably going to be gone. I honestly think that Dave Gettleman was brought – here's what I actually think about the 2018 – 2018? 2018 draft process? Yes. Yeah, uh, GM process was they interviewed Kevin Abrams to see if he was ready to take over for Jerry Reese. And they felt that he didn't know enough to be a full GM. You know, this is this is completely conjectured by me. But I've said multiple times I don't know what Kevin Abrams' job is. Sometimes we're told he's the cap guy. Other times we're told he doesn't touch the, he hasn't touched the cap in years. He's been doing scouting work. Nobody seems to know. I think what honestly happened is that he was the cap guy, and that's what he knew, but he didn't know enough from scouting. And so when they interviewed him in 2018, they decided he's not quite ready. We need a stopgap. We need someone to mold him. And they wanted a scouting guy. They got their old guy in Dave Gettleman who already knew him, and he was going to groom Kevin Abrams. Now, that went so badly that it's not even Kevin Abrams' fault that he's just not a consideration but, right now. That's all just remember, my theory. But let's remember, going a little revisionist history, that everybody thought Dave Gettleman was a disaster, but Dave Gettleman came from an organization that had been winning. 
That's, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, everyone's like they're excited because of um, you know all these candidates are for either from Buffalo or San Francisco, and like oh they're all winning programs. Carolina was too. I mean, they didn't mm-hmm. win a Super Bowl, but they went to the they, they went, went to, to the one. Super Bowl. You know, they they were they, fifteen and one in the regular season that year. Exactly. And, so let's not think like the uh, they just did Gettleman in a favor and gave him a job he was not qualified to do. It just didn't work. You know, for whatever reason, it's the the Gettleman era did not work. But that does not mean he wasn't successful before. So the theory was if you bring in this guy and they can groom him all the way. But my thing about that is, don't you think you we might have heard something about that in the three years or four years that Gettleman was here? Like I, I think really... we got indications of it. I think there's slight indications there. I think we always knew that Dave Gettleman was going to be quick. You know, we we talked about it even when he was hired. Well, that just makes that makes sense just on the age and the health and all. Well, that. that's the yeah. thing, though. I mean, there's that. There's the fact that Kevin Abrams was retained as that guy to stay in there. I mean, that that didn't he didn't get fired. I mean, he could have been. Didn't even seem like it was a possibility. Um, and like you said, I think there's some feelers that you can see that Kevin Abrams' responsibility shifted into areas that maybe he wasn't working on at all before. Um, I don't know. What's it's it's some, somewhat uns- – uh, well, I mean he was – we were told that he was going to be interviewed and then we were told later that that's not going to happen. So but he's still he's still in the front office as of today, right? As he of was today. Not, but we don't know – like, well, it's Joe Shane's operation now. So his future is up in the air. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, I will say you know, I, I was somewhat cynical when you know, Dawson Knox said the Giants are lucky to have Joe Shane because I was like, well, Aaron Rodgers was singing Ben McAdoo's praises and look where that got us. You know what though? Someone pointed it out to me. You're absolutely right. It's it's better than when Dave Gettleman came here and like so many players were like, oh, thank God he's gone because that literally happened. So um, there's that. Uh, no one's saying well, that I mean- that I know of. That's a 68-year-old versus a 42-year-old. We're talking a lifetime of – I understand. Diff- different culture of how uh, – you know, not even just in the NFL but just how people interact, period. I mean mm. you know, someone that's closer to the peers of the people that he's working with and w- who work for him, you are going to treat them differently than he did then. I mean Dave Gettleman's an old-school guy where there's a hierarchy. You know, the GM and the, the – Head coach are here and the players are down here. You guys, you go do three days in training camp. I'm going to work you to your, you know, you, you, you die on the field. I'm going to throw you in the garbage and get a new one. That's not the way people interact anymore. So, yeah, I mean, it's nice to hear that. You know, it's better to hear, no, this guy's a dick. But I don't, I don't put – I never put much stock in anything that these guys say for stuff like that because to me, everybody, you know, you're, you're, you want to keep a good face and you want to keep your, you know, you don't want to burn any bridges, especially in the league that only has 32 teams. Yeah, I agree with you. Still, though, I do, I do think it's good not not to be sure. hearing, though. Like, thank God. Um, so, like Joe Shane says, his first order of business will be to get a head coach, and this is extremely important. I mean, right now, there's interviews going on. So, the Giants have already or are expected to put in requests for Brian, Brian Flores, who was recently fired from the Miami Dolphins, Dan Quinn, who is defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, and real-life guess-who character Brian Dabble from the Buffalo Bills. He is their <laughs> offensive coordinator and absolutely looks like a guess-who character. Um, <laughs> what's interesting is that two of those guys are Patriots guys. You know, Dabble was with the Patriots. He was with he was part of Eric Mangini's, you know, little mini-tree there. I mean, he followed Eric Mangini around the Jets to the Browns, um, you know, before he just kind of bounced around year to year, and then he 
He even, at one point, he was in um, Alabama in 2017. Now, this was, he didn't get to go to Buffalo right away because he had already agreed to this job in February. Now, like I said, Brandon Bean and Joe Shane didn't come to Buffalo until after the draft, so we're talking May now. So he'd already agreed he was going to work for Nick Saban for that one year as offensive coordinator before he became the offensive coordinator for the Bills from 2018 to 2021. This seems to be the favorite. There's obviously a connection there. You know, in the Buffalo region, you've got a guy who's pretty much worked with him the whole time he was in Buffalo. Um... I would say he's probably the front runner right now for head coach. What do you think? I think Flores might be. Right I now. think Flores I, is more of a dark horse than people think. I, 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 well, I, here's my thinking is that these guys either had interview requests brought out or almost immediately. That tells you it goes back to our theory that uh, Shane was the guy way before any of this. In fact, your thing of, you know, correct. They, they already had their guy because you, if you don't have a GM, how are you making these decisions? To who do you know even know who you want to interview? I mean, otherwise, it's just it seems like fanboy. And it's like, oh, I like that guy. Let's get an interview. I mean, if if Mara is not going to be involved in the decision making, why is he making the requests? So I, I well, I mean, I have I have a, I have a theory about that, and my theory is if if Brian Flores' people get in contact with the Giants' people, and you know they know that there's a head coach opening. And it truly is, as is reported, that at the top of Brian Flores' list is he would like to coach the New York Giants. You just – you let them know like, hey, there's interest here. I know you guys have to do your own thing, but whatever. So they put that interview request in. Then he doesn't accept the job before he even gets a chance to interview because they're doing the GM search. That's my theory is that they had these people reach out to them through their agents, like you said, through their people. Um Saying that there was interest there, they understood the situation. They couldn't make a hire without a GM, but they'd like to set something up. If you're interested, there's mutual interest there. So the Giants set that up so that they can't be taken away from them before they even get a shot. Which, in my in my opinion, would be a very um, proactive thing to do. You know, you still leave it up to the GM, but you're like, hey, I secured these interviews. Do what you will, but I I at least got you this far so that they're not gone by the time we hired you. I think that's what happened there. And remember, there are other teams that. Are looking to get a head coach as well. And Absolutely, and, and, so, and those guys are highly sought after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, as much as we think the Giants are the most important team in the world, you know, there's 31 other teams that think they're the most important team in the world. So they're they're working just as fast as they can to secure their interviews and secure their hires. The other thing that's interesting, like I said, Brian Flores is another Pats guy, and he's he is a Pats Pats guy. I mean, from 2008 all the way through 2018, so, he was with the Patriots. So why do you think he's the dark horse? Well, I think because you said it on the uh, two episodes ago, I want to say, that Giants fans have Patriots fatigue. Um, And I do think that that works against him. You know, I honestly think that a certain extent John Mara had trouble firing Joe Judge because I think the -the on-the-field coach was not what he wanted, but everything else was what he wanted. I got two counters to that. That's fine. One, one (laughs) – Remember, was it last year or the year before there was like for a couple of days that, uh, well, maybe Bill Belichick may consider leaving the Patriots and coming to the Giants. There was no p- Patriot fatigue in that for sure. And also, I think Brian Flores right now to the average Giant fan is thought of as, hey, is that Dolphin coach who did a pretty good job? Why'd they fire him? I don't think. I think it's more 50-50 than that though. I, I, I don't know if they're going right back to another Patriot guy. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I think the best thing that could have happened to him is the fact 
it felt like he was fired unjustly. Like, why was this guy fired? He almost felt like a victim in the whole thing. So it's like, oh, this guy's pretty good. And now, like, I think that raised his Q factor and raised, like, his desirability with some people. Now, real quick, I want you to tell me a little bit about Dan Quinn because you're a little bit more familiar with him than I am. Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator with the Gators about, I don't know, nine, ten years ago. Um I don't know. I, I find it strange when these head coaches, you know, and I'm going to lump Dan Quinn in with the Raheem Morris's and the um, uh, defensive coordinator with Tampa Bay. Help me out. I'm having a brain fart. Oh, um, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. Guys that were not good head coaches and are all of a sudden because they, they rehabilitate their image doing what they do best by being a coordinator, all of a sudden are the hot picks to be head coaches again. I mean, I think we we have enough track record, you know, with with some exceptions, it does happen. But you're either a coordinator or you're a head coach, and guys that fail the first time, more than likely you're going to fail the second time when they make that leap again. So, I mean, I I, I he did a great job with Florida, did a great job, you know, he's done a great job with Dallas as as coordinators, but I don't know if I want him here. And also. You said it, and we've said it on this show a million times. This is the 21st century. You have to score. And I think I want this team to have an offensive-minded head coach to come in right out of the shoot. It, it, again, it, it, we're trying to outscore the other team. Uh, a, a little bit of the perception, too, of we are thinking differently than we have in the past. It seems like, you know, it always boils down to, you know, Big Blue, the lunch pail team, defense and running and, I think bringing a defensive coordinator kind of just reinforces that a little bit. And I, I think I want, I want the reality and the perception to be the same that we are looking to be a modern team that will try to outscore you as much as they can. I I think I agree. I'm pretty out on Dan Quinn. I think he's a very good defensive coordinator. I, I think there's there's no hiding what he did with Dallas in one year. Um, you know, and, and quite frankly, he's made Tra- Trayvon Diggs like the most polarizing defensive player in the league where people can't yeah. decide if he's outstanding or terrible because he's yeah. given up the most yards but also had like 11 picks or whatever this year. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I I love him as a defensive coordinator, but I was looking through him and I was like, you know, he was somewhat successful. I mean, he almost destroyed the Patriots in a Super Bowl. I mean, at halftime that game, I almost stopped watching and I'm glad I didn't because I got to see one of the best comebacks in, in NFL history. But that year... The Falcons had Kyle Shanahan as their offensive coordinator. Now, Kyle Shanahan was no quarterback's coach that Dan Quinn had found and promoted to offensive coordinator, and he he found this gem. He was already an offensive coordinator with a staff that he already liked, and that staff included Matt LaFleur as the quarterback coach, Mike McDaniel as his offensive assistant, and Mike LaFleur as his offensive assistant. Now, two of those guys have graduated to become head coaches, and two of the other the other two guys are now offensive coordinators. So to me, the Falcons almost winning the Super Bowl. Now, whatever happened in game that made them lose, I'm not going to pin on anybody because you get to the Super Bowl, you score points in the Super Bowl, you've done a pretty good job. You lose, it happens. But to me, the Falcons' success that year, I'm going to put on Kyle Shanahan, already an established and and very good offensive coordinator, already had these guys on play. Now, Dan Quinn certainly hired him, and that helps. But he really only hired Kyle Shanahan, who's now a very successful head coach in San Francisco and just beat the Cowboys and is, well, quite frankly, just beat Dan Quinn. Yeah. He did, you, quite <laughs> frankly, his offense just beat Dan Quinn's defense. That's right. 
So um, I don't really have anything else for this, but the head coach search is going to be the focus for us coming up. We're going to keep our feelers out there, but our regular Tuesday shows are going to be our regular Tuesday shows. So upcoming, you can expect us to break down the roster and see where our weaknesses is, where our strengths, weaknesses are, where our strengths are, and what we will do to fix the team. What Cranky Fan thinks we need to do, what I think we need to do, and you know what Joe Shane does hopefully is neither of those things and is much, much smarter. Um, and before then... What are we doing this Sunday, Grandpa? Well, there's a whole bunch of things, right? This head coach stuff, I mean, we could have a hire tomorrow. So be sure to follow us on Twitter, at football football underscore grump, at the cranky fan over there. And, of course, please follow us on YouTube for Just Giants. It's definitely the best way to listen to this. But if you're not a YouTube person, it's also available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever. Enough pandering. But – also, this Sunday, if you're bored and you love NFL playoff football, we're going to be in Morristown, love, New Jersey. <laughs> and you love and you love us, and you want yeah. to have you know multiple hours of, of this nonstop banter along with some of your other favorite giant podcast hosts. We'll make that a little bit of a surprise. But where will we be? Yeah, um, well, we're going to be in Morristown. Our DMs are open for where, but but the idea is that we're going to be at the Horseshoe Tavern. In um in Morristown because allegedly it's uh, raucous experience so I'm excited for that um, and we'll make sure to make sure that it's raucous um, but but by all means come on by say hi it doesn't matter you can sit with us the whole time just come in for a drink that, that does not matter you know, just we'll, is we'll just even, a friendly hangout we'll even let you buy us a beer too that'd be really nice of you. wow that's that is very nice of you pretty fantastic yeah well that's really all I've got you got anything else. Hopefully next year we're actually going to a playoff game instead of going to some bar in Morristown. That's there, there it is. There it is. All right, guys. We'll catch you next time. Go, Go Giants. Giants.